0: you at your podcasts every other Tuesday we have an awesome guest come on and chat about their story their passions and how their passions have grown and evolved throughout their story subscribe today to the no wrong turns pod with Audrey the Hickman hunter on your podcast player or app so that you guys will never miss an episode hey friends happy Tuesday how are you all doing I share with you all in our last episode that I have just started a book club, my first ever book club. Ever. <laughs> the first book for the book club is called I'm Still Here by Austin Channing Brown. If you're listening to this episode on the day it releases, this is also the same day that our first book club is happening. I am so excited to meet with my book club people to learn and to grow together. If you have not read this book yet, I'm Still Here by Austin Channing Brown. In my opinion, this is a definite must read. Austin shares and writes in such a way that it's within the context of her story and at the same time she's able to to funnel down her story to the meat. And I think this description may have sounded better in my head, but I'll just put it more plainly. Austin tells her story and then boils it down to the main points quickly saw my book, you would see the many, many highlighted nuggets that I have just been highlighting, highlighting page after page. I wanted to share with you one of the many quotes that I've been chewing on since reading this book. Austin writes, our only chance at dismantling racial injustice is being more curious about its origins than we are worried about our own comfort. Wow. I'm just going to say that one more time to let it sink in. Our only chance at dismantling systemic racial injustice is being more curious about its origins than we're worried about our comfort. This is such a truth. The only way to take apart and break down the systemic systems of oppression and injustice that surround us all is to start at the root. And I think the end of this quote has a major important point. We cannot be worried about our own personal comforts. Be, be muddled with or taken away. Again, I again I want to highly recommend and urge you to read this book, I'm Still Here, by Austin Channing Brown, to help learn, grow, and to take action to dismantle racial injustice in your own lives. Listeners, welcome to our 25th episode. It's a quarter, 25. Today on the podcast, we have Michelle Bernard from Olive Branch Coaching and Consulting. If you're a regular listener here on the No Wrong Turns pod, I'm sure that you will recognize Michelle and her company from her previous sponsor spots on the pod. Our last guest, Kayla Yim from episode 24, introduced us. Thank you, Kayla, for connecting Michelle and I. Michelle is from Minnesota. She loves to water ski whenever the temperature is appropriate, and she has a preferred pie for every season. Today Michelle tells us about her super fun and memorable college years where she majored in global studies and minored in women's leadership. Michelle also shares with us about how she worked at a bakery after college and how she discovered her passions for supporting people and building relationships with others. We are walked through Michelle's journey that hits some closed doors, and then we're able to see how Michelle recovered and moved forward to find her coaching career. In a self-described movie moment, Michelle found a coaching program in Washington, D.C., and within two days, she had made the decision to sign up and enroll in the Fast Track program for coaching. And it was all done within three months. Michelle walks us through what this term coaching truly means and debunks several myths that surround it. You are for sure going to want to lean in and not miss hearing Michelle's story as she highlights her passions of supporting people, building relationships with others, and ultimately her coaching career and starting her own small business. No matter if this is your story and you can relate to her or not, I believe that there's something in this episode for you. Before we begin the conversation, there are a few fuzzy spots in the beginning of the interview where the technology was not coming through so strong. And also, this interview was pre recorded in the late spring, so you'll hear us reference the spring season. All right, here's my conversation with Michelle Bernard. Welcome to the No Wrong Turns podcast. Today on the podcast, we have Michelle. Hey,
1: Michelle. Hi, Audrey. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. How about you? Doing great. It's a sunny day here in Minnesota. Nice. It's sunny here in Chicago
0: as well. It was like raining and super gross, but it turned out to be a nice day at the end of the day. Oh, wow. (laughs) Can you introduce yourself to the listeners?
1: Definitely. I'm Michelle. And like I just mentioned, I'm living in Minnesota. I actually grew up in Minnesota and am living here again right now. And yeah, I am excited to be on the podcast and talking about our passions today. That's something that I'm very passionate about. (laughs) And I, I just love hearing other people's stories. So this is a blast to be able to share part of mine too. Awesome. Do you have any fun facts you want to share with us? Fun facts. Well, growing up in Minnesota, I have been water skiing since I was about seven years old. And that wow. is something that my entire family loves doing. We do that pretty much the whole summer long. As long as it's nice out and the ice has melted, we're out on the boat. That's super fun. My family does the same thing, but
0: opposite. We do the snow skiing like oh, anytime yes. we can in the winter. <laughs> That's great. Yes. So, do you like? The, I picture like could be kind of cold though in the water. Is it?
1: It is. Yep. Usually people wait until about June and go through maybe like September at the latest. But my family's a little bit crazy when it comes to that. And being in Minnesota, you gotta get out there when you can. So I actually went for the first time last Monday, and that was a bit of a mistake. It's still too cold. What was it's like- the temperature? I don't even know. I don't want to know. But it was like jumping in an ice bath. It was still fun. But I think I'm going to wait a few weeks before doing that again. Do you wear
0: like a wetsuit or just bathing suit?
1: Usually I don't wear a wetsuit. But I'm so thankful that my dad said to grab it before this past week. Yeah. So I was wearing one this past week. And it wasn't horrendous. But it wasn't great. Gotcha.
0: Yeah. I think that would be a very cold
1: awakening. Oh yeah, definitely. People were staring at us like we were crazy. (laughs) That's funny. Um, So you said you're from
0: Minnesota. Uh, So can you tell us a little bit about what life was like for you growing up? Maybe a little bit about family so the listeners can get to know you a little bit more.
1: Mm -hmm. So I am the youngest of three and my family, I have an older brother, older sister, and then me and our dog. Our dogs (laughs) are very important to the family. And we're a really close family. My grandparents lived about 10 minutes from our house all through growing up. And it's just been a huge, huge blessing to be close with my family. We love doing stuff together like boating or skiing in the winter. So growing up was a lot of family time and just kind of like your... Typical neighborhood setting, like you'd see in a suburban setting in a movie, and just Mm -hmm. always outside playing with the neighbors, my family. And yeah, it was just, it was, it was a really nice time growing up in Minnesota. I love it, except for the freezing cold winters. That's the only downside. But once you get past that, it's good. What is the
0: coldest temperature you think you've experienced
1: in a winter in Minnesota? That is a really good question. I don't know the exact amount, but definitely below negative 50. It was horrendous. That is uh, unfathomable for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We did the challenge where you boil a pot of water and then you oh, yeah. throw it outdoors. It froze before it even left the pot. Like as it was leaving the pot, it was dust and frozen in the air. It was crazy. That's so crazy. Was it kind of hard to
0: like breathe too when you're outside and it's that cold? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You can't (laughs) breathe at all. Mm -mm. Wow. That's crazy. Um, so did you grow up your whole, your whole life? You said kind of in that same like suburban
1: setting, um, uh, through high school. Yep. Through high school. And then in college I went to Virginia and then eventually moved back here to Minnesota. Awesome.
0: Uh, When you were growing up, was there any, like, maybe, like, high school and below, was there any, like, hobbies or things that you were really interested or took a lot of your
1: time? That's a good question. I think probably just being outside and with family and water skiing was one in the summer. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was really into arts and crafts as a kid, not so much anymore, but I would love to make like homemade birthday cards, Mother's Uh, Day gifts, all of that. So I think when I was younger, that was very time consuming.
0: Fun. So when you were in high school, was there anything, um, any kind of like interest that you uh, were really kind of starting to gravitate towards?
1: Yes, definitely. I went on a summer trip to Nepal after my see, it was after my sophomore year, and that just grew my heart and passion for not just traveling, that's great, but for other cultures and getting to know people, and so I think from that point on, so about half of my time in high school, I just got really, really interested in other cultures and reading books about people that lived abroad or watching Bollywood videos and things Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, I loved it. Awesome. Uh, So, as you did that um,
0: passion or interest uh, play a part as you were thinking about like what your next steps were
1: for after college or after high school? For sure. Yep. That was one of the number one driving decisions for me of where I went is after Nepal, and during that time, I was processing okay, what do I want to major in? no big deal. What do I want to do with the rest of my life? Because you feel mm-hmm. that pressure in high school. And yeah, yeah, doing something overseas and abroad was just really, really heavy on my heart in a great way. I was so excited about it, so passionate about it. And so that's kind of the driving force of how I decided on my school and my major too.
0: So what were you thinking about um, when you were like a junior, senior in high school? Uh, what were what were you thinking about majoring in? And because um, uh, you had already decided, did you ar- did you already kind of like know, like, I yes, I'm going to college. You didn't have to make a decision like, oh, maybe I'll work or do something else.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. It was definitely my decision, and my parents supported me and backed me up on that. I knew I wanted to go to college and get a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't super clear on what I wanted to do abroad, so it just kind of made sense to go into global studies, is what it's called, and it's similar to like international relations and studying a lot about culture.
0: Cool. So you were you were interested in that, and kind of using that as your kind of guide, maybe guiding force I don't know the Mm -hmm. word yeah totally Uh, to kind of whittle down schools to choose from Mm -hmm. so did you have a tough time um deciding on what college you wanted to go to or did you have uh have a, a a bunch of options like kind of lined up
1: I had a few in mind um I wasn't like Extremely set on oh it has to be out of state but I was hoping it would be just to get a different experience and different culture atmosphere. But I was looking at a few and I ended up at Liberty University in Virginia and my brother went there years before I did. And so it's kind of in the back of my mind, like, oh, I don't want to go to the same school my brother did. Yeah. <laughs> I want to do something different. But they had this weekend trip where he wanted to go and visit friends, and I wanted to get out of my high school classes. So we went, and after seeing it and being there, I just had that gut feeling this is totally it, and I can't deny it. Wow.
0: What were, what were some of the things that you uh, were like Really drawing you to on that trip?
1: Yeah, absolutely. The professors and my major is what mm-hmm. completely sealed the deal. I just, I loved the program before I was even in it, and meeting the professor weekend as a high school student, they were just so genuinely interested and approachable in who was before them even though I wasn't technically their student. And then also the campus was beautiful. You've right in the backdrop and yeah, it was, it was a great experience. Everyone was so nice and great student body. Awesome. I think as
0: Liberty, isn't that a pretty big school, right?
1: It is. So when I was starting, it was about 14 or 15,000 on campus. Sorry. Can you say that again? When I started, it was about fourteen or fifteen thousand on campus. I don't know what it's at currently though.
0: Okay, so pretty big. My school that I went to was uh, pretty small <laughs> compared to that; just a little fraction. Really? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so did so you decided that for your senior year, uh, in your senior year, or did you did you pick or when did you pick it? I'm I'm making it up. I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, you're right. It was my senior year. I think it was. I don't really remember. I think it was November that I went to go and visit. So it was mm-hmm. kind of later in the game, but I just knew. So then you you went and you
0: visited, and then did you apply? Did you had you already applied, or did you still need to apply?
1: So they actually waived the application fee if you did that on campus when you were there uh-huh. so that was my motivating factor uh-huh. is like well got nothing to lose might as well do this
0: nice so you were set you knew you knew that you're planning to go there so then you probably moved there august mm-hmm. of yep. that that next year yeah awesome. that's right so how was your how was your freshman year and getting started in college Oh my goodness.
1: It was great. I loved college. It was it was such a blast. The people that I met were just absolutely the best. It was so fun. I I am still so close with a lot of the girls that I met my very first day there that were on my hall. They're some of my very best friends even to this day. And Yeah, it was just a great year, loved my major, didn't feel like homework, that's when you know you're in the right one, it was just, it was a dream, not perfect, of course, there's no perfect experience, but it was awesome, I loved college, and that first year was just such a pivotal point, too, where I was really discovering who I was, and realizing, oh, I'm more outgoing than I have been back home, it was, it was just so much fun.
0: So um, I know when many people start college, I mean, it sounds like you were pretty set on your major when you uh, discovered it, And but I know a lot of people when they start college, they kind of have a little waffling time. Did you ever experience that? Or you? it just sounds like your major fit, fit
1: you really well, but did you ever have a little back and forth? Not with my major, but I was required to have a minor with that one, and that's the part that was pretty unclear at first. And I did go back and forth on a few things, but landed on women's leadership, which is, yeah, it's a lot of like studying the Bible and what a woman's role is, which sounds kind of intimidating or frustrating to some people, but it was so helpful to get a clear picture of like, Hey, what is, what does the Bible actually say about this? And what does culture teach you about that specific topic too? So I I really enjoyed it. I learned a lot. Oh, that's awesome. Um, So
0: as you were uh, going through college, what were some of the highlights
1: for you? (laughs) Wow, that is such a fun question. There were so many. Um, You know, I think there were just so many moments where I remember looking at the friend that was next to me and thinking like, this is a this is a friend for life. This is one that even if we live in different continents and countries, man, they're, they're with me in this. And it was just so fun. I'm thinking of one example where my friends and I, we sticky noted one of our other friends cars <laughs> while they were at the football game. And then somebody, I don't really remember who it was. It may have been me. I don't know. We decided to hide in their car since it was unlocked and ended up staying in that car for about three hours and ended up just writing our papers, doing homework. And then this whole, like, buildup of momentum, like, we are going to scare them so bad they wet their pants. And they totally saw us before they even got to the car. So it was, like, this huge buildup and then just crashed and burned. But it was so fun. I think we even ate donuts that night, too, in the car. I don't remember, but... Just goofy stuff like that, P- pulling pranks on friends and, yeah, just doing crazy stuff like apple schmear from Cheaper by the Dozen. We did that with baseball bats and rotten apples from the cafeteria. What, it,
0: what is that exactly? Can so you I'm basically, not sure.
1: Yeah, you basically play baseball with apples or your fruit of choice. And so okay. we did that and it would just like schmear everywhere. It was so fun. Wow, that's pretty fun. So
0: as you are going through college and pursuing your major and your minor, what were were you what were were you thinking at all about as you were going through about like what your next step was going to be after college? What were you thinking about for after college as you were in college? Did you know what you wanted to do? Did you have some kind of like possibilities that you were scoping out? or what were you thinking for those next steps?
1: Yeah. So junior year, the Global studies program, you're required to spend your spring semester abroad. And so my freshman and sophomore year, I was kind of just planning and preparing for that semester abroad and hoping that it would give some clarity or insight into what came after college. So after my internship, I was in Cambodia and it gave me a little bit of clarity of what I was looking for and what I feel is, you know, a good fit for me and how I was made, but it didn't really give extreme clarity of like, yes, this is the country. This is the job, Mm. all of that. It wasn't, it wasn't clear at all. And so I started thinking and praying a lot. And (laughs) this is funny looking back, but I thought I wanted to open a bakery. And so I started pursuing those opportunities when I was, I think it was roughly my senior year or later, maybe even last semester. I don't remember, but Yeah, I thought I wanted to open a bakery when I graduated.
0: Do you just have like a passion for baking or cookies?
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I used to love baking growing up. I would love doing that with family and my grandma and my mom. And so I love the idea of how baking is really significant in cultures and just really special and unique to each family within that culture and then you branch it out further and the people group location and then the whole country. And I just love the whole aspect of food bringing people together. So my idea was, well, I'm passionate about this and I'm passionate about creating jobs if I do go overseas. So why don't we just combine the two and Mm -hmm. let's just, you know, let's make a bakery and let's go overseas and, do that and we'll, we'll see how it goes. So that was my idea. (laughs) That's great. So you were thinking you're going to be
0: starting a bakery. So as you exited college, was there anything that you, any kind of maybe like clarity or lessons that you were leaving with as you were
1: taking your next step forward? That's a super good question. And I have so many different lessons that God taught me that are coming to mind. But overall, I think the biggest one is just that Jesus is enough. That's really what I learned and experienced on my internship. And looking back at the timeline of graduation up until now, I just see that as the common theme of, hey, Michelle, it's it's not necessary to have your next step figured out completely. And it's not 100% necessary to know exactly where you'll be 5 years from now or mm-hmm. just having having that clear step and guidance wasn't really there for me for two or three years after graduating until recently and so I think I think the Lord was preparing me for that I just didn't see it at that time where it was it was really clear after you know when I reflect and look back that God was preparing me to realize and understand that he's, he's enough and he's the most important thing. I just didn't see that it connected into what I needed to know right after graduation at that time. I really liked, um, what you said in there about not necessarily
0: like need like needing to know, like everything that was going to happen um or like all of the specifics and I think especially coming out of college there's like like when you are going into college you know exiting high school like it's the same kind of thing where people are asking you like what are you going to do what are you going to do what what's your major like what's your next step what's your plan and it's kind of funny because the ages that you're asking is like you know 18 year olds 22 year olds and literally like so like clueless, so many options and like at the same time, like kind of scared and daunting <laughs> to try to answer all of those. But you want to have all the answers because everyone's telling you to have them, right?
1: Yes, totally. And especially me. I'm a very big visionary, like, all right, we're moving forward. We've got the next step. So it was very challenging to feel like I was just floundering for so long. hmm Yeah so
0: as when you uh graduated what did you do next did you uh go home for the summer to to plan what was going to happen for you next or um what were you uh thinking about because i mean i i mean were you still like you know ready to buy one-way ticket to start your bakery or what was the next step
1: Yeah, great question. So I did move back home and I was looking at the option of maybe moving back to Virginia afterwards and working at a bakery to get the feel for, hey, is this really what I want to do? Or my other option was to stay in Minnesota and do something similar to that. So I really felt that God had a little bit more of my story left in Virginia. So for a long time, I was just trying to kind of kicked the door open on that one and it just was not budging it opportunities fell through like you know had an apartment and roommate and then all of a sudden that fell through or applied for a job and it was looking good and then that fell through and so finally a few months after graduation I just said okay guys like hey, maybe you have something here in Minnesota and I should be listening to that. So I applied at a local bakery here in Minnesota and got it without even interviewing. Like I walked out and I said, God, that was too easy. Like (laughs) it was a trap. (laughs) Yeah. Was that you or is this just like, I don't know. So anyways, started working at that bakery and loved it i i just had absolutely the best bosses and great coworkers and it was a really good experience of seeing the business aspect of a bakery as well as customer service baking proficiency doing it well i just i learned so much
0: So I got to ask you, uh, what are some of your favorite things or what's your favorite thing to bake? And I guess what's your favorite bakery treat because maybe you don't like making it. I don't know.
1: (laughs) Mm. Desserts, any form of dessert. Oh, man, as long as I can like eat the thing that I'm making, oh, I'm good. I just love desserts. Pies are one of my specialties. I think I have a pie for each season that I like to bake. And these caramel apple cheesecake bars in the fall, oh, wow. I think they're probably my favorite. So good. But my favorite bakery treat might be lemon bars because I don't usually make those. I just don't think that I've got the art of it down. Mm-hmm. And so I love grabbing one of those to go. Awesome.
0: So you mentioned a special pie for each season. What would be like, I guess we're in spring. Yeah. So what would be the pie for spring that you like uh, is your specialty?
1: Well, I guess I kind of morph spring and summer pie into one together. So I should really work on that. (laughs) Wow, I'm glad you mentioned that. I need to find like a specific spring one because spring and summer kind of gets a little mixed together in Minnesota. You don't know what you're in sometimes. So my summer... Or spring one is strawberry rhubarb pie. Ooh, oh, it's so that good! good. Love it. Awesome. Very fun. I was
0: just picturing as you were talking, like just like beautiful, like you know, ornate cookies with like really nice thick icing and like little bars and those little like white wrappers. Mm, yum. So, uh, you, how long were you working
1: at the bakery for? So let's see. I got to count the months here. I was working there. I think it was maybe like 6 or 8 months somewhere in there and then kind of got redirected at that point I I really realized while working in the bakery this is not what I would like to do overseas and not what I see myself gifted in doing. Not that there was anything I disliked about the bakery. It was yeah, it was again just a great experience but realizing I'm much more of a people person and I wanted to be with the customers or just <laughs> chatting and having fun with the co-workers and so realizing that I was like you know maybe there's a different role that I could do but I don't think that myself opening a bakery is the right way to go and I'm very glad that I learned and experienced that here instead of trying it overseas
0: yeah So as you were realizing that, I think that's awesome that you were able to kind of, you know, get your lemon bars and realize that at the same time, uh, what were, as you were coming to that realization, what were you thinking? Were you thinking of, okay, I'll keep working here until I find my next, uh, thing, that I should be pursuing or it's something that God is calling me to. Uh, what were you thinking for for your next step of, I guess, how you're going to get out of the bakery?
1: <laughs> yeah, good question. Um, the whole time that I was working there, Virginia was still in the back of my mind. I would pray about it and just really sense that God was not done with Virginia and and using me there. And so that was something that I was continually – thinking about and praying about and trying to discern, is there an opportunity or something to do there? And so once I realized that the bakery wasn't what I wanted to do, at least for now overseas, went through a bit of a quarter life crisis and (laughs) yeah, I just felt like I was floundering for months. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I was always so driven and I was that annoying person at like high school graduations that could give you my 10 year plan and like just kind of always had the next step until Mm -hmm. that point. And so I really was torn up about that and just had no idea what I wanted to do. So I started doing some research on things that I'm passionate about and I love refugees. I love my refugee and immigrant friends I refer to them as friends, not refugees. Um, And so I was looking into like, okay, what what kind of jobs could I do with them? And kind of got to this point where I was like, you know, I'd love to be more of a guidance counselor, but more for life kind of. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to describe, but in my mind, I was thinking maybe I could help them transition into America or wherever they're at, if that's abroad. And so kind of like a guidance counselor for life. Anyways, long story short, that led me to discovering what a coach is and a professional coach, not a sports coach, but <laughs> similar to life coach. And so that's that's kind of what was going through my mind during the bakery is, okay, quarter life crisis, figuring out what I'm passionate about, pursuing those opportunities, which then led me to, okay, long story short, I'm going to pursue getting my master's at the same school I graduated from so that I can be a life coach somewhere abroad. And that's that's the long version and shortened version <laughs> of what was going through my mind during the bakery phase. So uh, so
0: your next, uh, I guess your next step was to begin your master's. Mm-hmm, yep. Uh, so does that, did that mean that you moved back to Virginia or what was the practical, like after, after you got that step, um, what was that? And actually, I guess, wait, before that, could you also kind of define, like, um, you said life coach and coach. Could you kind of define like a little bit more about that before you answer the first question?
1: Yeah, totally. I'm glad you asked that because when I tell people that I'm a coach, they always ask like, oh, a life coach, and i usually say yes just because that's the closest thing that people can associate with it but i really i actually cringe when i hear that life coach because there are just so many different opinions of what a life coach is and mm-hmm. most most of the common opinions are not what i would refer to myself as and so for me being a coach is more of someone that's able to help people process through and also um move forward in their goals. So it really, it really depends on what the client comes to the coach looking for. For example, um, I have some clients that have a goal specifically set in mind that they want to accomplish and they want someone to hold them accountable and help them move forward. So that's like kind of task oriented. And then we also dig into like the heart issues behind that. For example, like, okay, well, what about this goal is so important to you? Who do you want to become as you achieve this? So that's kind of like the task-oriented side. Okay. And then there's also like this really deep heart side of it where you're learning about your values, who you are becoming. Um, I have some clients that, you know, I'm not going to share like personal stories, but just really want to experience and process through having a coach, like um, trying to think of a, A good example here, like, hey, I'm I'm moving towards retirement. I don't know if this is the right time. It's all just so foggy and uncertain. And I would really love some clarity. So I'm not providing the answers for them because I don't know what they need or what (laughs) timing is right for them. Thankfully, I don't have to do that, but just really asking the right questions and helping them to think and process through that. So that's kind of my version of coaching. Mm -hmm. I know that there's a lot of different opinions, a lot of Different ideas of what coaching looks like.
0: I think that's really good because when I heard you say coaching, the first thing I thought of also was, you know, life coach. Or sometimes I hear people, they're like, oh, I'm coaching. I'm like, for, I'm doing like life coaching or coaching. and, And I'm just not exactly sure what's going on. But kind of what you just described to me almost sounds like a counselor as well.
1: Yeah, and that is one of the common things that I get asked is, oh, so you're a counselor. Um, No, I'm not because I'm not qualified as a counselor. Like there's so many different credentials and stacks of different courses that counselors go through, and I have so much respect for them. I know that they work incredibly hard to get to the point where they are ready and a professional counselor. So the difference that I heard when I was in my training to become a coach, the difference between coaching and counseling. So counseling Mm -hmm. focuses a lot on the past and like what you've been through and where you're at today. Mm -hmm. Coaching focuses a lot on today and where you want to go in the future. Not like not weird, futuristic mind reading or (laughs) naming and claiming. It's not that at all. But it is looking towards where do I want to head, or what's here today, where I want to go in the future. So that's kind of how I differentiate the two things.
0: I think that's really good, and I really appreciate you being able to kind of like walk through those differences to just help me get a better idea of of what of what you meant and what what it kind of means and the differences between being a counselor and a yeah, coach.
1: yeah. I think I think everybody needs to hear the difference of that just because I didn't even know the difference really when I was going into my very first day of training as a coach. Like, (laughs) I know I need to be here. I don't think I fully understand what coaching is. And my mind was just blown as I learned more and more about it. I was like, yeah, okay. Sometimes it feels therapeutic and it feels like counseling just because there's so much heart stuff that you could work on. But there is a strong difference in just being clear too with my clients that, um, I'm not a counselor and not going to try and be that something I'm not. So yeah, it's helpful to differentiate the two.
0: Yeah. I think I like what you said about like being clear, like setting, I don't know, almost professional boundaries like or professional or X setting expectation boundaries, Mm -hmm. I guess would be like kind of what it sounded like to me of just to make sure like, Hey, we're here for this, not here for this, or I can't, I can't help you with this. Maybe I could like recommend like you to go to counseling, but I can't help you with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. So what, so after the bakery and you were able to find life coaching or sorry, coaching (laughs) either one, you're able to find coaching what was your did you already know that this was a program that was uh, being offered or how did you kind of navigate that because for me I I've never heard I I've also never looked into it but I wouldn't even know where to begin to look for
1: that yeah when I was still at the bakery I was doing some research on what you need credential wise to be a coach and to be more professional and I was still looking at moving abroad. So I was looking at what do I need in order to really set myself apart and, um, be hireable overseas. I didn't know what that would look like. So I was looking at a few different schools, different options. And like I said, Virginia was still in my mind. So obviously I looked at my school that I went to for undergrad and found that they did have a life coaching program under human resources or human services and counseling it was so long story short looked at different jobs and moved out there with the plan of having a job and then getting my master's covered through that job at the university Mm. so that's kind of what brought me back out to virginia
0: Are you loving hearing Michelle's story? The woman behind Olive Branch Coaching and Consulting. This week in our sponsor spot, we have none other than our guest herself, Michelle Bernard with Olive Branch Coaching and Consulting. Have you been serving abroad and want to continue making a big impact in your Community. At Olive Branch, Michelle comes alongside her clients as they return home or relocate after serving internationally. Through coaching sessions, Michelle will work with you on planning your next steps, unpack your story and experience, discover how to communicate your time abroad in a way that creates lasting impact and so much more. You can find out more on Michelle's website at www.oliveranchcnc.com. That is or find her on Instagram at olive underscore coaching. that is O-L-I-V-E-B-R-A-N-C-H underscore C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G. She is offering a special discount for you listeners. Email Michelle at Michelle2Ls at olivebranchCNC with the subject line No Wrong Turns Pod listener for a 10% off five-session coaching package for one individual. This offer is valid for the next six months. Michelle is looking forward to connecting with you. Thank you so much, Michelle and Olive Branch, for sponsoring the No Wrong Turns pod today. All right, back to Michelle's story. So then you so you knew you wanted to pursue that degree and then did you uh apply for that or are you looking for jobs to cover your schooling like you just mentioned
1: you know i i don't remember specifically but i think i was doing them at the same time i think i was looking (laughs) at jobs and had applied i don't remember
0: so uh which which came first like your acceptance or did you find a job um, that was able to cover it or, uh, what happened with
1: that? (laughs) Yeah, that's a funny story. So I applied and got accepted and that for the, for the degree program. And then it was looking like there was a really great fit and great opportunity for a job. And, um, so I kind of just went for it and I, I knew that God was leading me back to Virginia. So I just moved out there And then it all fell through. The job didn't end up happening. And there weren't any others that I was really passionate about or really looking at applying for at the school. And by that time, I don't remember the timeline now, but I just kind of knew, like, I am not supposed to go through with this program. But now what do I do? Because I'm living in Virginia again. Mm -hmm. Why am I here? Which led to about three months of just feeling pretty useless and confused as to why I felt so strongly that God had led me back and that opportunity was there. And then it just all of a sudden within a day wasn't there. And, um, yeah, for three months I wasn't mad. It was just confusing and, Mm -hmm. uh, overwhelmingly stressful too trying to figure out what am I supposed to do do I go to a different school or do I just forget the whole coaching thing it was it was a lot of just floundering and questioning so you said questioning so did you find any answers (laughs) yes I did and I am so grateful that the practical answers of what am I doing and what's next did not come until I had really gotten to a point of just utter desperation for the Lord and his leading and just so much of seeking him and spending time with him and finally getting to the point where it just came down to, you know what? I don't need answers. Mm -hmm. All I need is day by day obedience and being faithful to the one that I call King and, that was a continuation for months. It's not like, oh, I learned that and the next day I figured out where I was going to do my coaching training and then it worked out where this and this and this. No, it was it was at least two to three months, if not more. I don't remember of, okay, all right, I'm waking up and I'm trusting you, but I have no clue what we're doing here or <laughs> why I'm here. And it was it was just a continuation of learning and experiencing that, which I have zero regrets about. I'm so grateful. I know that and lived through that. That's awesome. Uh,
0: so, as you were like going through that time, um, you were still in Virginia during that whole time, would you? Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: And you said that was a couple months uh, span. Yep. That's right. Yeah. And then finally the doors opened and I mean, they like blew open. It was just (laughs) one day everything changed. It was kind of like a movie moment. I found a coach's training program through a long chain of events and different friends and connections that I knew. And so I looked into it, called them up. They had one spot left on their fast track program in D.C., which was only a few hours away from me at that time. So I signed up like two days later or something. And then about a month later, I found myself in D.C. and finished the entire program within three months versus the two years it would have taken me to get my master's. And I'm so grateful because... Literally within 10 minutes of stepping into the room at the training, we were already coaching. And I know that for some people going through a master's program and writing papers is their jam. It is exactly what they need, which is great. In no way do I put that any lower. But for Mm -hmm. me, I am so grateful I did not have to go through my master's and then start coaching. I'm just, I'm really grateful for the way that it worked out in DC.
0: Wow. That's really crazy. Two years or three months.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So were you just for those three months, just like nonstop school 24 seven, or how does that all get condensed and you be able to like take the important things and move
1: forward with them? Mm -hmm. So with the company that I did my coaches training with, they Um, They're one of the top leading training companies for coaches in the world. So they've got their system down and they know what they're doing. So I went in and there are five different classes over the course of, I think it was three or four days each. But with the fast track program, they try and condense it down so that I think I only had to go up to DC three separate times for maybe a week at a time. I think that's how it worked. So it was over the course of three months, but I only had to go up three separate times. So you stayed living
0: in Virginia and
1: you were mm-hmm. just there for a couple
0: days at a time.
1: Yep, exactly. So I would stay with some friends in D.C. and then drive back down to where I lived after that week of training was over. The next month, go back up and do the same thing. Okay. So you are really only there
0: in person for three weeks?
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. Cool. Wow, that's
0: crazy! Yeah, that's quick. So you finished in three months, at like light speed almost. Yeah. <laughs> and what kind of? I'm just curious. What kind of like degree, or do you get a certificate, or what kind of um a certification? I guess. Do you mm-hmm. come out with?
1: Yep. So after the training, you get a certification saying that you did the hundred plus hours of in class training. And then you have the option of either just finishing there or you can go on to their six month, very intense certification program, which I chose to do after moving back to Minnesota. So I did that about four months after completing the training in person. So it kind of depends on what you're looking at using coaching for. Some only go through the 100 hours of in-person training. And then I went on to complete the six month program that's online. And is that just like a continuation then? um, That kind of
0: just deepens, I guess, your, your knowledge and understanding?
1: Mm -hmm. Yep. So you're in a a pod group with other classmates that have finished their training. And then you have a leader that is very, very qualified and has been coaching for a long time with a significant amount of hours under their belt and um, just so wise. And so then you go through specific parts of the training, you dig deeper into it, you practice coaching with each other You have homework, you're reading books about it, you have five clients of your own at all times for that six month that you're also coaching. So you have to have at least 100 hours of your own coaching experience before you can take the final exam. Then you're done (laughs) once you pass. What you uh, were
0: kind of just saying in the six month period reminds me of of this uh, discipleship um, kind of... Uh, group that I was in in college or in uh, graduate school my last year and there was like one person like the teacher who had all of us like students like in their small group and then each one of us in the small group had our own small group so it kind of was like the you know pyramid kind of you know growing out method
1: yeah absolutely it's so fun to have that different style of teaching groups and learning from each other too you had to be able to have those clients. And then
0: if there is an issue and you're kind of stuck, you're able to go to your teacher and get advice and guidance.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So you finished the six-month program. hmm yep. And then what uh, what was your next step? But before you go there, during this time, we're, you were back in Minnesota, correct? Mm-hmm, yep. And were you working f- at another job or you, were you able just to pursue this full time?
1: So I, I actually started teaching English during that three or four month period in Virginia where I just had no idea what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And so I started teaching English online. So I just continued that when I was back in Minnesota. Still, I'm doing that now. And have grown to love it so much, except for the hours I could do without waking up at 430 in the morning. But the students are, they're a blast for the most part. So it makes it worth it. And it's really nice to have that stability of income where I can focus on coaching and not worry about having two or three part-time jobs. That's awesome. Mm-hmm.
0: So after you're done with the six-month, you, ha- you had the online teaching English school in the morning? And then what were you doing after you, after you finished your sixth month?
1: Mm -hmm, Definitely. So I have gone on to just continue to build my own small business for coaching. I focus on people that are going through culture transition, whether that be refugees and immigrants coming to the States and helping them acclimate and, Uh, short-term trips that are going out during the summers or all year round and really helping them debrief, okay, what did we just experience? Who am I becoming because of that? And how do I want to impact people through what I've learned? But with with all of COVID and that going on right now, (laughs) it's kind of thrown my culture plans for a loop because a lot of trips for the summer or even into the fall have been canceled so I'm I'm really just focusing on okay whatever whatever client comes my way and whatever they need I have such a wide variety of clients right now that are just all across the board and yeah not many that are focused on culture right now which is actually really fun it's very unique and really fun I love love being able to help people. And during this time, I think that coaching is a great tool that people can use to really grow during this time and just process through it. Cause it's, it's not easy for anyone right now. Yeah. So um, I want to kind of just ask, get, get a little bit more specific.
0: So For your clients, are you meeting with, do you uh, have like zoom meetings with them or do you talk over a phone call? Cause obviously you probably can't meet in person right now, but, or do, would you normally before the quarantine and COVID, would you be meeting in person with them? What would, can you kind of just like walk us through like the, like kind of like logistics, I guess, of like maybe like a day in your life as a coach or like a week, it, cause probably every day is not the same.
1: Right. Yeah. You nailed that. Every day is different, which I love. I don't like having a routine that's every single day meticulous down to the hour. So an average week for me, honestly, not a whole lot has changed with COVID because I usually work from home. So right now, part of it is studying for another certification exam that I'm planning to take next month. And then besides that, working with my clients, all are on Zoom right now since you can't meet in person. Mm -hmm. But beforehand and during an average day, most of mine were still on Zoom because I have clients all across the world and nationally too. But the ones that have a strong preference for doing it in person that live locally, oh, I'm happy to do that. I love meeting in person. I think it's It's a really unique way of authentically coaching together when you can move around in a room or really Mm -hmm. like see their, their body posture more than just their face on a zoom call. But I mean, I work with what I can, I can handle at that time, whether that's a client abroad or local, it's yeah, either one is great, but every day is different Teaching is the only consistent thing I have in the mornings. Mm -hmm. I do that for a few hours and then do whatever the day has before it. And some days, some days I don't have any clients where I can just focus on certification or marketing materials, um, updating the website, things like that.
0: Awesome. I was just kind of curious of like, you know, like the nuts and bolts and like specifics of what it looks like.
1: Mm Yeah. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, I want to just pivot for a minute. Um, and kind of look at before you started our, this passion, or we kind of even talked about, you know, like kind of like the faux pas of what people think of when they hear Life Coach. So what were, I want to know kind of some of the myths that you believed before you were able to get to know your passion of coaching more. What what are some of the myths that you believe to be true and that as, as you learn. And as this became one of your big passions, uh, you were able to kind of debunk for yourself almost.
1: I think one of the biggest ones that I was uncertain, uncertain of before going into my training as a coach is what we had talked about earlier, that coaching is the same thing or super similar to counseling. And like we already mm-hmm. talked about, they are different. There's the distinction, even though at times... Coaching can be at such a heart level that it feels kind of therapeutic or like counseling, but it it is different. There's a distinction. But the other big one is when I had heard the term life coach before fully understanding what a coach was, I totally was in that boat of thinking that like, oh, they just tell people what to do with their lives and they get paid for it. Like, how crazy <laughs> is that? So that was a big one and still is when I tell people that I'm a coach and they don't mm-hmm. understand. I say it's similar to a life coach and they go, oh, so you get paid to tell people what to do. I'm like, no, that's, that's not quite what I do. <laughs> uh, it was funny. I was actually watching Gilmore Girls about, you know, a year ago or so. And there was this episode where one of the characters hires a life coach and he's like going through her day-to-day at college and she looks to him and she goes, can I do that? And he'll say yes or no. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that is what people think I do. That's crazy. (laughs) I can't believe that. So that's a huge myth and that's why I don't refer to myself as a life coach is because it kind of, it just, It makes me cringe a little bit thinking that people have the misconception that's what I do, but I don't blame them because that's what I thought they were too before I knew.
0: Yeah, it almost sounds like when you were describing that kind of scene or checking for agreement, is I don't I've seen this in a lot of cartoons. So you have like the angel on one side and the devil on the other, like kind of like your yes/no or you know kind of guiding you, having those guys yeah. right behind you.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. I hope I don't identify as that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, are there any now that you
0: are understanding and you know certified with your certificates and all of your hours and hours and hours of training? Are there any myths that you're you're maybe just because you're more uh, aware and in this coaching circle that you hear and you're like, actually, you know what, that's not true. And, but I could see like how people would be believing this myth, but maybe something you wish that people would kind of get to know about coaching.
1: Yeah, I think a few come to mind. And I really like that you preface that with not, you know, pointing a finger at them, like, how could you call this coaching or Mm -hmm. just being harsh? Because again, I would have no idea if it weren't for, you know, all the hours of training and learning from experienced coaches. But a common myth that I see going around is people that just kind of throw around the term coach, like, oh, I'm a life coach, or I coach people on, I don't know, whatever specific thing that they have. Whereas what they're doing is more so consulting because there's a huge difference in that. And my business, I actually named it Olive Branch Coaching and Consulting so that I have two different branches and two different sides. The coaching piece is just pure coaching, like asking questions, focusing on their agenda. Whereas the consulting piece is if I have someone that comes to me and doesn't want to work on the heart stuff, they just want specific training on culture or they only want to hire me as a speaker and don't want any coaching in it that's more of the consulting piece for me Mm -hmm. and I see that a lot in people today where they're doing more mentorship and consulting like specifically telling people what to do and just um, labeling it as coaching and again not not trying to point fingers or you know downplay that at all those are so useful and necessary. But when you look at like peer coaching, there is a distinct difference between those. I liked how you
0: were, I I didn't even really think about that, but I think that's a great distinction to be made. It's kind of all funny, like counseling, coaching, consulting. we all start with the C.
1: I know. Right. It's like, all right, let's make this more confusing for everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Cause it's,
0: it has, you know, a little similar sound to it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wanted to ask you, you mentioned the name of your uh, company, also starts with a C. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) You said it was um, Olive Branch? Mm
1: -hmm. Olive Branch Coaching and Consulting.
0: Yep. So can you tell us why you decided to name it Olive Branch or does that have any significance?
1: Yeah, I'm a very symbolic person and sentimental. So I wanted it to be something that was significant to me. And the olive branch part, (laughs) this is funny. So it started as an idea for my sister. She just thought it was kind of a cool, not like hip hip, but kind of hip name, like olive branch. That sounds nice. So I was like, all right, well, I like the name of it, but it needs to be significant. So I looked into the symbolism of olive branches or even olive trees and found that in so many cultures all across the board the symbolism of an olive or an olive branch is just, there are so many different symbolisms. So I love that it's universal, especially with my focus on culture and debriefing people from trips or other nations and cultures. I loved that aspect. And again, I'm hoping to use this abroad. And so I wanted it to be something that was really meaningful for different cultures and yeah, I could go into a billion different reasons, but that's the overarching reason. Awesome.
0: I'm just curious, what were some of the like fun, like um, symbolisms or significance that you found as you're researching this?
1: Yeah. So the biggest one that I found was when you give someone an olive branch, it's supposed to signify reconciliation or kind of like symbolism of forgiveness almost, but the reconciliation Mm -hmm. piece really hit home for me and coaching. My focus at that time was focusing on people going through culture transition. And so really that reconciliation piece of there was this familiar point A, I knew what life was all about. Like I had that down and then I went on this trip and now I'm in this unfamiliar territory of point B And it's just new and I'm experiencing a lot of different things. And so that bridge point from point A to point B is kind of where like you symbolically hand over an olive branch of let's reconcile and bring together point A and point B. But you can't just skip from one to the other. You have to have that in between and really digging into that. So that was one of the reasons is the symbolism of reconciling familiar to this new territory.
0: Wow. I really love that. That's so awesome. Thank you. So I, I have to ask because I guess we've mentioned this like several times, like throughout the, um, throughout our conversation of just kind of the misconceptions of the idea of coaching. So I'm just curious to know like what your, what your friends and family, as you were kind of on this journey, like kind of figuring out exactly what, what this was and then becoming like going to school for this and becoming certified and starting a company, I'm just kind of curious of just like the people that you surround yourself with your friends your family uh uh what the what their support was for that and um yeah just kind of how they um understood your new passion
1: I think that's one of the most important questions to ask because there is no way that I would be where I'm at today without my support team and that being my family and my friends like I said at the beginning my family is super close so their opinions and their support means a lot and they've always been so supportive of my dreams of going abroad and pursuing that and they were with me symbolically not literally in Virginia (laughs) through that whole thing and yeah they just they mean everything to me um So, their support has been huge. And same with my friends. I've got amazing friends. The Lord has really gifted me with them. And they've all been so supportive. Yeah, they, I think that they appropriately asked hard questions of, hey, realistically, what does that actually look like getting a job overseas as a coach in a place that, has no concept of what coaching is or it hasn't gone there yet or doing that in a different language and mm-hmm. culture. And I just really appreciate the way that they fully supported me, but also asked me the hard questions to make sure she's not just living in some fairy tale land in her mind. So yeah. they they just did a great job. And I mean, even still to this day, like at the beginning, I needed practice hours for coaching and my family helped me with that and some friends did and really just got the ball rolling for me. It was yeah, I'm just really grateful for them. That's awesome. That's kind of fun
0: that they were kind of your first like guinea pigs as you were starting out on it.
1: Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah.
0: It's almost it's kind of comforting because that's how I started off this podcast was with my best friend from college because I knew that we could record it. We actually recorded, ended up recording it twice because it was just like the first one was just so painful for the both of us to listen to. <laughs> my friend was like, let's just re-record it. And I was like, Oh yeah, sounds great. Thank you. I was so, I was so <laughs> yes, glad to <let's> do that. <laughs> that's great. Um, so I think this has been just a really awesome, um, conversation and learning, uh, about what coaching is and kind of like understanding and kind of, uh, debunking several things that I had thought coaching, um, was about, and I'm sure a lot of listeners as well. So I'm just, I want to ask this for our listeners, if they're hearing about coaching and they're like, Hey, this is really sparking something that, um, this is something I think I would enjoy. This is something that's really resonating with me, but like, like you, they weren't able to kind of put words or, um, you know, a job description or a job behind that, but they're just learning about this now. They're thinking, Hmm, I want to learn a little bit more. What would you um, say to them or what kind of guidance could you give them? Definitely. I think.
1: I think doing some research online is great, but go to websites that are, you know, like official coaching websites. Those are really helpful for understanding what peer coaching is at the the internationally certified level. For that, I would recommend going to the ICF website and that acronym is International Coach Federation. So that will give you like top level. This is what is expected of international coaches that are qualified. And then the training company that I went through was called Co-Active Training Institute. CTI is the acronym. And they have a book here that just really outlines what coaching is and some of their training material and what they use. That's called coactive coaching um and they have a bunch of different like edited versions and updated so i'd recommend that for reading you can listen to a bunch of different podcasts finding coaches that you can connect with is a great way to just hear different stories and Mm -hmm. what they're using for it there's such a variety you can coach on just about anything like any any topic pretty much or um I mean, they could always connect with me too. I love hearing about other people's stories and their interests. That's huge passion of mine like you, Audrey. I love hearing about what people are passionate about. It's so fun. It's great to hear. Awesome.
0: Um, so I also wanted to know is what something um, – because you've come like a long way in your kind of journey and your story in the, in regards to this. What's something that you had to wish you had known when you had started out Or maybe somebody had told you this, but you were just like not listening or maybe just didn't hear it loud enough. What's something that you had wished you had known when you had started out?
1: I think the one that is going to sound so obvious and that sounded (laughs) so obvious to me for the longest time is when you're starting your own business, especially when you're not extremely business minded like I am. That's not my gifting and number one skill (laughs) set. Give yourself grace and time. A lot, a lot of grace is needed to move forward. Like with Mm. marketing materials, like, okay, just did a bunch of research and feel like I don't know as much as I did when I started. So just giving yourself a lot of time and a lot of grace in that when making a small business, it's, it's hard, but it's so worth it. Definitely worth it.
0: I think that's so good to hear because I think oftentimes when we're trying to go for it, our goal, f- like a big goal or something, we're like, we gotta like, you know, hit the pavement hard and like can't stop, like, you know, get like drowning in exhaustion and stuff. But that's a great reminder to just give yourself grace t- to keep going, but know that it's gonna take time. Mm-hmm, for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us each week to listen to our awesome guests as they come and chat about their story and their passions and how their passions have evolved and grown throughout their story. I am so humbled and so honored that you would choose to download and listen to these conversations every other week through inviting me into your earbuds, your car, your headphones, your Google Home, your Alexa, wherever you listen. Thank you so much, friend. I am so, so, so grateful for you. Can you do me a favor? If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, would you do that in whichever podcast player or app that you're using to listen to us today? If you're subscribed already, thank you so much. I truly, truly appreciate it, friend. It makes a huge difference, and I would love it if you would share this podcast with a friend. I find out about so many different shows and podcasts through recommendations from friends. Maybe some of you have found out about this show through a friend sharing the show with you. Lastly, would you please leave a rating or review on whichever podcast player app that you're listening on? Thank you so much. I know that these may seem like little things, subscribing, sharing the show, leaving a rating or review, but they make a huge difference in new listeners being able to find the no wrong turns pod again thank you so much thank you for being here for listening and for cheering on the no wrong turns pod thank you for subscribing sharing and reviewing the show Okay, so we have one final question that we ask everybody on the podcast, and that is what is fueling you and what is fueling your passion today? So this could be anything from maybe uh, a new TV show that you found during this quarantine time or a new coffee drink that you discovered how to make. Um Or maybe a a new part of town that you have, like, started walking through or seeing something? Um, So what's fueling you today and what's fueling your passion?
1: Hmm. Two things came to mind. One is a bit more surface level, but I just got hooked on the show, The Amazing Race, And I think I'm about to apply, like (laughs) partially kidding, but partially not. It looks like a blast. So that's just fun and something I look forward to after finishing up work. But a little bit more deep would be the symbolism that I see so evidently in springtime. Right now in Minnesota, the trees are budding and the bush outside my front yard has just tiny little buds of flowers that I think is so symbolic and so representative of springtime and hope hope is definitely a big thing I'm learning right now so that's fueling me to keep going in quarantine and then also to pass on authentic hope to my clients that's one of my foundations of my business is authentic hope and helping others to find that too that's awesome
0: all right, before we go, um, I know you mentioned your website and I just wanted to have you say that once more and where people can find you and how's best to get into contact with you.
1: Definitely, good question. So my business name is Olive Branch Coaching and Consulting and my website, the, um, the link to that is and c.com and the and is spelled out a and d or you can reach me by email and my email is michelle with two l's not one but two <laughs> l's michelle at olive branch c and c.com so either one of those you can find my contact on either one awesome well we'll be sure to include those in the show notes so people can follow you great thank you so much
0: Conversation with Michelle, the one behind Olive Branch Coaching and Consulting, it was so amazing to see how Michelle was able to pivot in her story. Michelle shared about how she was considering starting a bakery overseas. So she she then started working at one herself. And although she enjoyed the experience, she was able to identify that she loved chatting with her customers and coworkers more than she did the actual bakery business. Michelle experienced a little quarter life crisis that left her with the question, what do I do with my life and my passion? Through her friends, she was able to identify that she wanted to become a guidance coach but for life. I had a few takeaways that resonated with me after Michelle's interview, and they all stem from and kind of revolve around this idea that Michelle is not only just becoming a coach, not about the what that she's doing, but rather the how and her posture when it comes to her her coaching and her clients. I love the idea that she shared about passing on authentic hope to her clients. I hope that we are all encouraged today through Michelle's story and her passions. My prayer is that you would consider what God has for you and what he might be leading you to. Our episode was edited this week by me, Audrey Lee quinn social media managed by Olivia Bote. You can see our show notes for our music credits. All right, guys, enjoy your week. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with a friend. And I will see you back here next time for a conversation with my dear friend, Karen Kumar. Hey, friends, you have just listened to the No Wrong Turns pod with Audrey the Hickman Hunter. I am Audrey, and I am your host. I am so happy that you are here. If you like what you listened to today make sure that you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts we are bringing new shows every other tuesday and we always have on some amazing guests that come and chat about their story their passions and how their passions have evolved and grown throughout their story subscribe today to the no wrong turns pod with audrey hickman hunter on your podcast player or app so that you guys will never miss an episode see you next time